Hey, good morning, everyone. How many of you just saw that, how to gain control of your mouth, went, uh-oh, wrong time to come to church? No, we're, we're going to get into it this morning. We're going through the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus, the leader in the Jerusalem church. And what James does in his book, it's such a practical book, and he addresses some issues within the church. And one of Jesus' last prayers, probably the most powerful prayer for the church, is that we would walk in unity, that the world would know that we are his disciples by how we bicker with one another, right? No, by how we love one another. And what James is going to address today in chapter 3 of his book, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's going to address our tongues, how powerful our words are. Our words can breathe life into someone or breathe death into someone. And we, and we can all think of times where we regret something we have said. Any of you have ever regretted something that you've said? Okay, four of you. Good, good. Everybody else can leave, right? Um, we've all said something we've regretted, and we kind of had to own up to it and apologize for our words. So we've all said something we regretted. Our emotions can get the best of us at one time or another. And we will say things like, well, I didn't mean to say that, or that's not what I meant, right? But the problem is we said it. And it, it comes from something from deep within our hearts. Words have meaning. And the way we respond to problems, James is going to show us today, is a direct reflection of what's going on in our hearts. We just can't say words are words. How I many you know sticks and stones can break my bones, but words what? That is the dumbest saying in the whole world, right? That makes no sense. We know that words do hurt us. So, so the way we respond to problems is a direct reflection what is coming out of our hearts. The words we use is a reflection of something deeper that's going on in our heart. And, and so the question we want to look at today is how do we handle conflicts? How do we respond to conflicts? How do we act during a disagreement? Husbands and wives, how do you respond to each other during a disagreement? And why in an argument does one person usually clam up? Have you ever noticed that? Because it's our words and how we use our words. James talks about this in his book too, about how we are to be slow to speak and quick to listen. But how many times are we quick to speak, right? And, 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 and we're not very slow to listen. It's so true in all of our lives. And here's the point that I want to look at as we jump into chapter three. Our words can bring healing or destruction. Our words. And this is what James, James is, is going to tell us that we need to give an account for what we say. It's important. Our words carry weight. Our words carry weight. So how do we, how do we respond to what's going on in our hearts? How do we respond to that? And we're going to respond by what's coming out in our words. I love the saying, I don't know who said it, but I, I love it. It said, I would rather remain silent and be thought of a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. How many have ever heard of that, right? It's true. And so we have to be careful with the words that we use. So we're in this study in the book of James, and James is going to show us how important our words are and how vital our tongue is to bring life or 
death. So he's telling us, pay close attention to your word. So let's look at James chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. You can look at the screens. If you've got your phones, you can look there. But let's look at James chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. And see how James is dealing with the church. And once again, James is correcting the church. James desires for the church to get along to walk in unity. And how many know we're not always going to see eye to eye and everything. We're not going to always have the same opinions on things, but it's vital that we walk under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's vital how we speak to one another and how we encourage each other. And so here's what James says. He's telling us to take close look at what we say. He says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever it wants by the means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Amen. Even the babies say amen to that, right? But listen to what he says here. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on, on fire, for, it's, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Ouch. He's speaking truth here. And listen to what he says. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, is it, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right exclamation point. Amen to God's word. This is the word of the Lord. So, so this is an ouchie. So just buckle your seatbelts. We're going to look at what, what, what James is saying here and how we can guard our tongue and restore relationships. So what is James' main point here? James' main point is looking at what comes from your tongue, you will see what's happening in your soul and in your heart. And what he's saying is our words have meaning and we should not brush it off and say it's no big deal. That is why James says teachers will be judged more harshly. Why? Because they use more words. The more you speak, the more you'll be accountable for what you say. We will give an account for what we say. It's important we understand that. For what you say matters because it reveals what's going on in your heart. Our, our words can hurt or they can heal. And it's interesting that James, he says you can, either, you can either curse or you can bless. And the word curse there is an interesting word because we think of cursing, right? We think of saying a bad word. Oops, I said a bad word. Sorry, everybody, right? I dropped that word. I wasn't supposed to. We think of it that way, but that's not the meaning here. What is the meaning of curse? Well, it's an interesting Greek word that means katara. It's this Greek word katara, and it literally means to bring low, 
to bring, when you curse someone, it literally means to bring them low or to belittle them or to bring someone to speak evil against someone, something harmful to bring them down. And what James is saying, this ought not be. Now, all of us here can remember maybe a time in our life when someone said something to us that belittled us, that hurt us, that brought us down. I mean, when I was in first grade, I remember my first grade teacher in front of the whole class said I was stupid. I remember that. And it's, it's, it's words that hurt, right? And so I remember when he, I couldn't get the subtraction or whatever it was math. We were doing math, and I couldn't get it. And I raised my hand. He says, what are you, stupid? And it just it hurt all the way back to Lakeview Elementary School and first grade. I remember that. And I remember the teacher's name, which I will not say. All I know is the next day my mom punched him out. But that's besides me. That's a whole nother story that I won't want to get into today. But we all remember that. We all remember those times. You know, when we, we did a mission trip to England one year when I was a youth pastor in the late 90s, and the neat thing about that is you could work in the schools because in England, uh, they require one hour of religious education every week. And so what they, what they would do is they would allow churches to come in and say, you can teach about God and we'll give you that hour of religious education. We brought a team over and we'd go in the elementary schools and we'd go into the high schools. And I remember going to the elementary schools before we went to prep for the trip. We'd ask them, what is a big topic? What is a big concern within your schools? You know what the number one thing was? Bullying. That was the number one concern was bullying. Kids getting picked on, right? Have you ever, have you ever been picked on for your name? I remember my name. I, I remember some kids would say, Barton Gerace is a disgrace to the human race. I remember that. It's okay. See, you're laughing. Don't you hurt my feelings. No, it's all right. It's funny, right? You know, and we remember that. We remember that. And, and here, here's the reason. The memory is still there. Why? Because words have power. They have power to speak life or to speak death. And listen, you know, we can ask for forgiveness for our careless words, and all of us have, have, have used our words carelessly at times. Yet the power of that word can carry a scar. And so what James does is he gives us these two word pictures about the tongue. It's very interesting. He gives us these two word pictures uh, about the tongue and the power of the tongue. And the first one he, he uses is of horses. Some of you just got really excited. Love to go horseback riding. You got really excited when I mentioned horses. Um, I do not like horses. I just, they're, they scare me. Um, I know some of you got thrown off your horses. Some of you got bit. One lady I knew got bit by her horse. That's not for me. I'm sorry. It's not for me. They weigh, you know, 1,500 pounds, 2,000 pounds. And he talks about a small bit can move this massive 1,500 to 2,000 pound horse. A small bit and the horse's mouth can move this powerful animal. This bit can control this 1,500 to 2,000 pound animal. A small bit. And he compares it to our tongue, how powerful it is. And then he talks about a small rudder that can control a huge ship. Now, I'm usually a couple months ahead in my study. And Colby, my son, sent me a picture of his ship that he was on. He's not on it anymore. It's the USS Kearsarge. It's an LHD3, 843-foot 
long wasp class amphibious assault ship. All you Navy, did I get it right, Colby? Or was I close? Close enough, Colby. Colby's here, by the way. I'm so glad to have Colby. He's home for just a, a couple weeks. He's, uh, he's going to school, and then he's going to another assignment. So um, he sent me a, a picture of uh, the ship on dry dock, and I said, oh, this will go perfect with this illustration that James is trying to make. I got a picture of it that he sent me. So here's, here's the back of the, of the Kyrgyzars. What, what you, I'll point to it. So what you see here, this is a, this is a forklift. That's how small it is compared to the propellers, right? It's just compared to the back of this. That's how big this ship is. And you can see there just a small, tiny rudder in comparison to this 843-foot ship, how it can control this ship. That, that's the image that James is trying to, for us to understand. A small bit, a small rudder, how it can control so much. And it's incredible how a small bit can move and control a horse and a small rudder can move a massive ship. Our tongues, a small part of our body, can do so much good and at the same time do so much harm. So much good and so much harm. Our tongue is small, but it carries massive influence. And James says that a spark can set off a forest fire. Now, we saw this last summer when the forest fires in Canada drifted into western New York, and some came as far as, as, as western Canada, and then we had some in Quebec that came down, and it just, you know, it just completely uh, you know, covered up the sun, and it smelled like a, like a campfire, if you guys remember that. It's amazing how these small fires, how they start, these great massive fires, and how they can affect our weather some thousands of miles away and hundred, hundreds of miles away. That is our tongue. And here's the thing I want you to realize, and why James is making such a vital point here, is that our tongue can he- our tongues can heal relationships or they can destroy relationships. And we need to guard our tongue because it can go wild quickly. So practically, practically, what you believe about Jesus will affect what you say. What you believe about Jesus will affect what you say. If, if Christ is, is leading our lives, we will watch our speech carefully. We will be, we'll be slow to speak and quick to listen, as James says in his letter. Because we want to make sure that what we say is reflective of what we believe in Christ Jesus. So we will guard our words. Why? Because our words reflect what we believe. So the question is this. How can we communicate better? And how can our tongues be life-giving? How can we get this right? And James wants us to get this right because it's a matter of fellowship within the church. He doesn't want our tongues to destroy the fellowship and the fabric of Jesus Christ within the family of God. And how many of us know our words can destroy what God is trying to do within his body? And once again, that doesn't mean we all agree about everything. We all have our opinions, don't we? But But the bigger picture is this. Is Christ glorified in our midst? Are we looking to him? Are we looking to 
to, to overlook maybe some of our differences and some of our preferences for the betterment of the body of Christ. What makes the body of Christ so beautiful is when we look to Jesus and we begin to serve one another in his name. And when we do that, we bring unity within the body. What we say to one another brings unity within the body. What we say to one another can exalt or destroy what God is trying to do. And every, listen, listen, every broken relationship that I know or that I've counseled with or in my life has always been, the bottom line has always been our words and what we say and how we say it and what was said. And once those things happen, we get defensive, don't we? And we take offense. And then we see the fabric of that relationship begin to unwind. So how can we tame our tongues? And how can we speak the truth in love? Now, listen closely. This is what I think is the hardest thing for a follower of Jesus to understand. How do we speak the truth? And we believe that God's word is his truth. So we want to stand firm in the truth of God's word. We believe it's inspired. We believe that it's for us. We believe it corrects, it rebukes, it trains us in all areas of righteousness. So we want to be firm in God's truth. What happens when the truth we believe in God's word comes in direct conflict with what we see in our world today? How do we speak words of life into that situation where we, it's just different. The culture is completely different than, than what we see in God's word. Here's where we need to have wisdom. How do we speak the truth and how do we speak it in love into each other's lives so that it edifies the body and doesn't destroy the body? And I think what happens is we end up using God's word because we see this truth and that's a, that can be a dangerous thing if we don't handle it carefully. Are, are you hearing me, church? When you have this tr- truth, you can do one of two things. You can use the truth of God's word as a baseball bat is anybody here this? Are you guys? Okay. You know, to, to beat it into people. Well, this is God's truth. Mm, this is what God's worth. It. First hesitations four one says, right? So listen, let's not use it. The truth simply to beat someone over the head. Use the word of God as home plate. Go Rangers. Even though I'm a Mets fan, but Rangers won. Use it as home plate. We Listen, we want to use God's word and the truth of God's word to bring people home to who Christ is and what he did for them. So it's speaking that truth and that love. So how do we do that correctly? Well, let me give you a couple things here. First of all, not saying anything because you're worried about other people's feelings or don't want them to get mad at you is not speaking the truth. Amen? It's not. So now, all you truth people are like, yeah, preach it, Pastor. That's good. We've got to stand on the truth. Praise God. Give it to him. Right? Okay, I'm going to get you in just a moment. So just hold tight, okay? Just hold tight. So here's where we have to find the balance. Here's the other side. We might say, as long as I'm telling the truth, it doesn't matter how I say it as long as I'm telling the truth. Wrong. Wrong. If you say, and we hear this all the time, it isn't personal, it's what? It's business. 
You know what I say to that? That's what I say to that. It doesn't work. Here's the reason why. No hiding behind business as if you can speak harshly to someone and it doesn't matter. Let's be careful. Let's not justify just being mean to someone and speaking the truth and then hiding behind the, well, it's just business. It's not personal. I'm just telling you the truth. Doesn't work. It can't be matter-of-factly and abrasive and call it business. No. May we be speaking the truth. We may be speaking it, but we're not doing it in love. If you don't speak the truth in love, you really don't care about the truth. And if you don't speak the truth in fear of someone because you're afraid of what they're going to feel, feel about you or you may offend them, then you're not speaking the truth in love either. Does that make sense? We, we have to be, there has to be a balance there. So how do we do this correctly? How do we, how do we hit the ball down the, the center of the fairway here without falling on the true side with no love and then the love side with no truth? How do we find the balance here? Well, I've got the answer for you. And it's found in the book of Proverbs. And I love this verse. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 25, 15 says, A soft tongue will break a bone. A soft, it, it, it seems like it doesn't make sense. Shouldn't it be a strong tongue will break a bone? It says a soft tongue will break a bone. What does it mean there? What it means there is this. A gentle word can break down a hardened heart. A gentle word. A word spoken in truth at the right time, in love, will cause someone to be receptive to your idea. Abrasiveness does not soften someone when you're trying to share the truth. Kindness, gentleness, and respect is the way we share the truth, and this is the heart of Jesus Christ. We share this truth in love and gentleness because that's what Christ wants us to do. And so what we need to do is we need to discipline ourselves to actually listen. When you actually listen to somebody and hear their story, you can find out a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes, maybe some anger issue, maybe the way they were raised, whatever it might be, you can find a lot of stuff about someone. And when you actually take the time to listen to somebody, it will give you a lot more empathy for them and understanding for why they're feeling the way they do. We need to learn to listen. Every single one of us want to be heard. We want to be heard. And what happens when an argument breaks out? What, what are the couple of common denominators? One, our voice usually gets louder when we don't feel like the other person is hearing us. Right? And so we feel like, well, they're going to hear me if my voice gets louder. So our voice gets louder and louder. And then the other person's hearing gets more dull and more dull and more dull. Because we want to be heard. We want someone to validate our feelings for why we feel the way we do. And so by listening to someone, you're validating the other person's feelings. You understand their issue. Okay, so 
Guys, listen to me real quick. Just husbands, listen to me real quick. It's going to save you so much money in counseling right now. So listen to me real quick. Are you ready? Listen to me. Wives, tell me if this is not true. Tell me if this isn't true. Your wife doesn't want your advice. See, I'm come. See, see. The first series, I was getting a men's revival broke out. People were standing up, hallelujah. I think I had to throw Ruth Brooks out of the church. It was crazy. It got crazy in the first in the first service. So listen, wives agree. Wives, your wife doesn't want your advice as much as she wants to be heard. Men, you better be writing this down because this is good stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just helping you. 33 years of marriage, and I'm still not getting this right, but I'm trying, okay? Listen. Listen. Men want to fix it. We just want to, we want to fix it. Your wives want you to sympathize. She wants to hear this. This is what she wants to hear. I can see how frustrating that is. See, I told you. I know I'm on here, right? That's what they want to. They want to. I can see how frustrating. But God, we're just thinking. Okay, this is how we're going. A, B, C. We're going to get this, and they're just sitting there. You didn't hear a word I said. I just want you to be sympathetic. Now, guys, don't use that today, because it's not going to work. Because she's going to say you're just doing what Pastor Barden told you to do. So let it just let it just simmer for a while. Don't don't use this right off the bat. Listen. Here's, here's how we can communicate and learn to be more sympathetic with one another is when we learn to ask questions. This helps us to understand why they are frustrated. Why they're frustrated. Ask questions. If, if you don't know why someone did what they did, ask questions. Because we love to say, well, I don't know why they did that. Well, they did it because they thought it was right. But if we're not asking questions and understanding the heart of the matter, we can understand where the problems lie when we learn to hear each other's heart. And then when we sit down and we can speak this truth in love, ears are going to be much more receptive to hear. And what James is telling us, he's just saying, listen, understand, don't brush off that your words have no meaning or that your words don't carry any weight. Think about what you're going to say. When someone says something to you that offends you or or gets you defensive, just wait about five seconds before you respond. Just go, one, one thousand, I want to kill them. (laughs) Two, one thousand, I want to choke them. Three, one, no, I'm just saying, just, just count to five. If there's an email that comes, wait 24 hours to respond to an email that has got you riled. I guarantee by waiting, getting another perspective, you're going to look at that completely different and you're going to have wisdom in the way you respond. Even if the other person is wrong or you feel like, let's have wisdom because remember, the minute those words go out there and you get upset whether you're right or wrong, they're out there floating around. Especially if they're out there, if they're in an email or a text, they're really out there, right? 
Let's be careful. Let's use wisdom. Let's be slow. Slow to speak. Allow God to speak to your heart. Listen, I say this all the time. There is nothing inside of us that should be offended that hasn't died before Jesus Christ. If I'm easily offended, then there's something in me that feels entitled. The cross crushes that type of thinking. It crushes it. And so we're able to handle these situations completely different in the spirit of Christ where we don't allow our words to curse other people. So let me leave you with this. How can you be an encourager? How can you be an encourager? Husbands, tell your wife every single day that you love them. Just look them right in the eye and say, I love you. Just talk about things that you appreciate about them. Wives, you can do the same thing for your husband. Just something that appreciate. You know, I appreciate that, you know, you want to fix my problems. I know you're a fixer, but I just need you to listen to me. I appreciate that you did this. I appreciate that you did that. Just appreciate each other. Encourage each other. When you do that, that builds such a foundation of trust in that relationship. Be an encourager. Be an encourager when you're out and about. You see somebody in the store and they're doing a good job. Say, hey, you know what? Can I just stop you a minute? I just want to let you know you're doing a good job. Can I be honest with you? Working at Wendy's when I did as a teenager, all you would hear was people's complaints. You didn't give me pickles. You put mustard on there. That's all you'd hear all day. And you just have to grow. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here you go. Here you go. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I never did that. Ever. That's why you don't make any comments about your... No. Um, but then you would get one person that would say, Hey, guys, I want to thank you. My burger was awesome. We're on a missions trip in Utah. We're an In-N-Out burger, which is awesome. So we're an In-N-Out burger. I went back. I said, I'm just going to tell them they did a great job. The bathrooms were clean. So I said to the girl, I said, hey, can I just tell you, my In-N-Out burger was awesome. I don't know it's because I haven't eaten in three days, but it was awesome. It was so good. It was so good. And I said, the bathrooms were really clean. You guys are doing a great job. It was so funny. I walked away. She turns around and goes, hey, hey, everybody, that guy out there just said we're all doing a great job. Did that cost me anything? No. But I'll tell you what. All people people hear so many times that work in service industry, all they hear is complaints. That's all they hear. Very rarely they hear something. That's easy to do. Be an encourager. Appreciate people for what they're doing. So let me finish with two questions. We're going to take communion together. But let me finish with these two questions. What does your words say about you? The words you use, what does it say about you? Do you tend to be more of a complainer? Do you tend to, you know, are are you more of an encourager? What do your words say about you? Because this is going to reveal what's going on in your heart. And then ask yourself, what can I do to become a better listener? What can I do to become a better listener? And ask yourself, who can I encourage today? 
Can I just say, this is my little thing of the generation I grew up in. I love getting handwritten notes. I don't know why. I'm just old-fashioned like that. Write someone a handwritten note and just say, I just want to say I'm praying for you and I love you. Just want to encourage you today. A handwritten note. You know what I do? I keep those. My youth pastor taught me long ago, he had a little encouragement file that he would keep all his encouraging notes in and he'd go through it when he felt really down, which for me is every Monday morning. So I go through my encouragement file. Keep going, Barn, keep going. You can do it. But I do, I have a little file that I keep my encouraging notes that you guys write me. Our words carry weight. And this is what Jesus speaks to you. He speaks these words of life to us to change because he loves us. He tells us he's never going to leave us or forsake us. He tells us that we're his children. He says, anyone who comes to me, I will no wise cast out. That's what he tells us. Come and find my grace. He says to us, all you are heavy laden and burdensome and just feel the weight of the world and the weight of religion on your back, come to me. You're going to find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus speaks to us. Encouraging words of life change. May we be those people. Amen. So as we take communion today, let me, let me, let me stress this about communion. If, if you didn't um, get one of the cups and you want one, we, we do have some in the back and uh, you can... Um, Grab those. One of our ushers in the back can help you grab a communion cup if you didn't get one. We want to make sure everyone has one. Let me say this. You don't have to be a member of our church to take communion, but you have to be a member of, of God's family through, through Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. And what I love about communion is communion is not something we just do religiously to go through the motions. Jesus says, whenever you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. The, the purpose of communion is we remember how Jesus came to restore a broken relationship that we had with God the Father because of our sin. Jesus came to restore that through his own life. By giving his life for us, by hanging on a tree and bearing the weight of our sin upon himself, we are now reconciled back with the right relationship with God. The Apostle Paul tells us, you are now ministers of reconciliation. So we want to be leading people to home plate by the words we speak and telling them that they can have a right relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And so as we pray, you might be here and you may say, Pastor, I I don't have that relationship with Jesus. Well, here's the good news. Jesus says, anyone, anyone, the word of God says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus says, I will no wise cast you out. You can come and give your life to him and he will forgive you. You call in his name. He covers us from all our sin and has nothing to do with me or my works. Everything through my faith in him, through God's grace and mercy, through his son Jesus. So when we take communion, we're celebrating what Jesus did for us. And we're saying, Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you are the son of God. Jesus, you are the only way to God. Jesus, you are the only one that can provide eternal life for me. Jesus, you are the only one who can cover my sin. So when we take this, I want you to understand what this means. That Jesus really covers all your sin. He does. 
And when we give our lives to him, that's where the freedom comes. That's where that new relationship with Christ comes in and he receives us just as we are and forgives us and cleanses us. So as we take communion today, I want you just to examine your hearts. Paul says to examine our hearts, don't take this in a haphazard manner. So by all means, if you, if you don't feel um, like you should take communion, by all means, don't, don't take it. That's, that's fine. No judgment zone here. But as we take it, Paul says to, to examine your heart. And before we take it, I just want you to examine your heart. And if you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about unresolved relationships that you need to work on, then do that. I had, this is crazy. This is just mind-blowing. I had a woman come up to me in the first service. She was pastor. The minute you mentioned it, I texted my daughter, who I haven't seen in six months, because I said, I need to see you. She texted her right, this is during what's going on during the, during the service. She texted her right back and said, yeah, you can come on over. So she comes running up to the front and said, pastor, oh, I, I can't believe this. My, my, my daughter said it's okay for me to see her. Well, what do I do now? <laughs> I said, well, let's pray and have God give you the wisdom to use you to help you to restore that relationship through Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's what God does when we avail ourselves to him. So, so as we pray today, just say, God, help me and maybe an unresolved relationship. Just use me in that so that you are glorified, Jesus. That, listen, listen, and I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I will. But listen, that's how the gospel is seen in your life. That, that God says he demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it all together before he came and died. He just came. To establish that relationship with you and I when we weren't friends with God, Jesus came and gave his life for you and I. So when we're willing to be open to reconcile relationships and offer grace and mercy, we know that the gospel message has imprinted itself in our hearts when we avail ourselves to that. So let's be gospel-centered people. Let's be led by the gospel that says Jesus came for sinners. That Jesus reconciled our relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. Let's be that. Let's be those people who are gospel-led. Okay, I'm done. I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. So let's pray. Okay, so let's, let's take these emblems and let's pray. Father God, as we hold this cup and this wafer in our hands, we know, Jesus, that, that you told us to remember, to never forget your sacrifice for us. The bread symbolizes your body. The juice, it symbolizes your blood that was shed for us. And we know that there could be no forgiveness of our sin without the shedding of blood. And Jesus, because you were God and you were perfect, you became that once and for all sacrifice for, for us. That you appeased God's anger, you appeased God's holy righteousness through your sacrifice. That for those who put their faith in Jesus, now his righteousness is imputed in our life and we can now stand before a holy God, forgiven, forgiven, free from the bonds of sin. So we thank you for what you've done for us. And as we take communion today, we recognize you, we love you, we thank you for all you've done for us. So cover us today. If, if there's something that we need to proactively do, let us do that today.
May our words bring life to relationships and not death. Help us to be encouragers. We thank you for everything you've done for us. For we ask all these things in no other name but the wonderful, precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, amen. So go ahead and take out the wafer first. It's on the bottom. And then you can open up the the top there and reveal the juice. And we'll take this together. Let's take the, the wafer. Thank you, Lord, for your body that was given for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of this together. And as you take the cup, let's remember Jesus' perfect blood that was shed for us so that we could find forgiveness. Thank you, God, for this cup. And Jesus, thank you for your blood and your precious name. Thank you that it covers us. Amen. Amen. Let's partake together. Amen. 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 Amen.